Welcome to Soul Practice, a podcast featuring raw conversations about our crazy world and real practices that keep us grounded deep in our souls. Soul Practice, Raw Conversations, Real Practices is hosted by Kathy Escobar and Phyllis Mathis. Hi, welcome to Soul Practice, Raw Conversations and Real Practices. Oh my gosh. I'm Kathy Escobar. I'm Phyllis Mathis, and that's a long title. <laughs> and you know what? We struggle every time. We're like, what is it again? Oh my gosh. Um, so anyway, we are going to dive into the deep end today. Um, it kind of all fits, everything fits together that we do on soul practice, I think. Um, because our last conversation was related to spiritual bypassing, and today we want to talk about the lies of supremacy. So the first first time I heard this term was related to the lie of white supremacy Mm -hmm. and marked the work of Mark Charles, um, who is an amazing voice about the doctrine of discovery. Mm -hmm. And then my friend Sage, who really just helped emphasize that it's not white supremacy, it's the lie of white supremacy. And other language for it is also privilege. And uh, the whole way that it's all tied together, basically to help us stay on top and in control and as close to power as possible. And that it is not just white privilege, white supremacy. It is across so many things. And so I, I think years ago, I wrote a post, you know, it was like, white privilege, male privilege, straight privilege, economic privilege. Mm -hmm. I think those were the four that I hit in that moment. So that's four of them. Um, But then there's also um, body, thin supremacy. Mm -hmm. It's big. Mm -hmm. This is a huge thing in the world. Um, I I already mentioned straight supremacy, um, religious supremacy, Mm -hmm. which is huge. Um, a Christian, you know, a lot of us can identify with that, that we're, you know, we're the best, we're the best. And a natural thing that happens, it's the world defaults in the United States to Christian. Mm-hmm. So it's an automatic thing that you put something that you get if you identify um, that way. And um, I think what are some other ones that come to mind in this There's moment? Ability, privilege. Yeah. So ableism, the reality of, yeah, if you just kind of are able-bodied and what do you do when you have different kinds of um, physical, um, neurological, Mm -hmm. neurodiversity Mm -hmm. um, is definitely another one. Um, There's sexuality, privilege. Yeah. So if you're cisgendered. Automatic. If you're, yeah, and you're um, heterosexual you're closer to power. I think that's, I really like how you link together the idea of supremacy with being closer to power, which we all kind of want power. So, and so it's just easier for, for people who fit in these categories to have access to power and to, and for their lives to be easier. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really comes to mind, so we're in that, we're in this 12 step group. Um, Phyllis and I are, that is uh, 12 Steps for Anti-Racism Work at the Refuge that is based on these 12 steps that our friend Melvin Bray 
um, has in the world. It's um, the website I think is collaborativeconsulting.com. You can just Google Melvin Bray. His work is incredible. And um, he, for me, I mean, I had had conversations about privilege and things for years and I've been writing and always horribly confronted with how blind I can be to it but trying to um, be more open. There was something about his work on these 12 steps of kind of using some of the principles and the basic framework of the 12 steps for uh, recovery, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, reworded Mm -hmm. that framework to think of our addiction to being on top, how it's embedded in everything. And so in the conversation with him, he was the one for me that very first like had this supremacist logic is in everything. And how he said, you know, I don't have, I, I'm black. He's a black man. So he's like, I don't have the white thing, but I have other forms of it because of, I was raised in a Christian mm-hmm. context. And so there's just all these different ways that all humans um, converge on this being on top thing. And it's why culturally, I think everybody, every culture struggles with this. And I, I mean, we always come from like, I am literally got them all white, resource, married, straight, educated, able-bodied. I mean, (laughs) and that my clinging to what that gets me in the world, it's pretty strong. Yeah. It's pretty strong. And can I just root this in humanity? I mean, the history of humanity is one of surviving. And to survive, you have to, in a sense, have to get power and use power um, to survive. So the the history of humanity and the development of civilization is all, it's all about, it's kind of, we're wired that way. We're just one couple of steps above just being mammals who are pack animals, you know? (laughs) And if you, if you think about that, then there's definitely hierarchy. There's, there's division of labor. There's like supremacy there. And there's, I mean, if you go to Estes Park in the fall and watch the elk bulls rut for the... (laughs) fight each other for the privilege of being on top of the herd and being able to mate. I mean, it kind of, it kind of makes me a little bit crazy because, but at least we see right out there, that's where we came from, you Mm. know? So we're just a couple steps above (laughs) mammals who are just competing for the privilege of, of being in charge all the time. So, so (laughs) so in a way we have to kind of forgive ourselves a little bit or not take it so personally. Like we, it's unconscious and it's, it's kind of built in, Mm. but now that we're where we are, we can, you know, we do have minds. We do have, we do have the capacity to look around and go, is this really working for humanity Mm -hmm. and for all of humanity? So that's why we want to deconstruct it and why we want to, you know, talk about supremacy and privilege as a thing that's not serving us now. Yeah. And even for the ones that are on top, it makes our lives kind of brittle and, and shallow and, and it can just be toxic, you know, to those in power as well. So I just want to say that to start out with, because I know there's a huge backlash against 
even talking about white privilege or talking about any kind of privilege. Like, I didn't mean to be, a, yeah. you know, this, you think my life was privileged? You yeah. think my life was easy? <laughs> I'll tell you about my life. And it's, and it's not wrong. Yeah. It's just that the bigger picture is this unconscious ways in which we, we are privileged um, impairs our ability to be good humans and to kind of make some shifts in how humans live on the world, mm -hmm. on the earth, mm -hmm. and to deepen our own souls, actually, too. So that's been a big, huge, a big part of my own soul work is to kind of recognize this big unconscious thing I was carrying around, these assumptions that I had about, about the world and how it works kind of made my own soul work a little bit shallow, a little bit clueless, a little bit tone deaf, a little bit unexpanded because I was just living on the cream of my privilege of, you know, my education privilege, my language privilege, my gender privilege, my um, economic privilege, all these, all these things. So if my soul can't encompass a bigger picture than that, then I'm not really doing soul work, am I? You know? This is it. I mean, I think you really nailed it because it's the brittleness. That's such a good word um, of how insecure. And I mean, you know, white fragility has gotten thrown around as a word, but it, but on the bigger story, it is a great example that it's, it's built on a faulty foundation yeah. <laughs> that crumbles. And that's why, because it's so teetery, that's why everybody wants to protect it mm -hmm. so bad. And I think that that clinging, I know I can say this, I don't even know I'm clinging to it. Mm -hmm. I don't even know it is unconscious. I'm, just used to it. Um, but I think starting that hard, hard, this is the recovery part that I'm really drawn to is like breaking out of denial and being more honest about how unsustainable and fundamentally wrong and unhealthy it is to live through a supremacy lens mm -hmm. in this world. Mm -hmm. It's not good for anybody. It's kind of like when we talked about um, toxic masculinity and how how toxic it really is. It's toxic for everybody. Yeah. So yeah. we just don't have to face how toxic it is for us or how fragile our lives are. Um, because as long as everything's working the way we want it to, we don't have to face that. So it makes us shallow, you know, to a certain extent, and it makes us fragile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it really how deep the things are. I mean, they're all so uh, unconscious, like I said, but like the Christian, I'm going to use the Christian thing for a second, because a lot of us came from that tradition, not everybody who's listening, but it is just so strong that that's the dominant everything. And the more that I'm around in multi-faith conversations, I notice like, Everything is bent that way in America. I'm not seeing it's like that in other places because I can only go through our lens. But I mean, a lot is embedded in, in the Bible kind of fits in there. Mm -hmm. 
and um, that basically we it we're the best. <laughs> I mean, it's just that simple. God said so. <laughs> and so, I mean, and, and I take Donald Trump. I mean, I can't not I can't not have him in these conversations because really his presidency. We all know that. We've already said it. It's so true. People of Black, Indigenous, people of color knew that about what was going to happen in the election. White liberals <laughs> like me really was like, no, this couldn't be. You know, it's so dumb. But that that part is real. And I confess that. Mm-hmm. And I lament that. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say I am more painfully aware of how deep that is. But I really, truly, I think the great revealing and honestly, the battle that feels so clear, it's been going on forever. It's just now we're in it. We didn't have to be in it before. We didn't have to. Your cream thing is so good. But now we are. And now it's like, oh my gosh, it's so deep. It's in every religious system. It's in every public square. Every public square. It's in fashion. It's in the media. It's in government. It's in education. Yeah. It's literally everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes in these moments, it can feel really hopeless. And a piece of soul practice really try it is trying to kind of go. It's, it really truly is. uh, If we go spin down that drain, we will lay on the floor. Yeah. And just so there's nothing I can do. The world's screwed and I, I'm part of this mess up and there's nothing I can do and crawl on the ground. And part is kind of going, well, so what can we do? How can we heal? How can we be restored in this area? And I can just say for me from walking through that awareness, beginning of awareness, lifetime work is that honoring how deep it is and saying it out loud, all of those that we said, the default towards. So it shows it's helpful. It does help heal something. And it shows up in so many ways. I mean, this is, this is something that is really just so um, apparent to me on the, the straight privilege or um, sexuality supremacy or whatever language you want to use sexual identity it's just like how natural it is from our generation to just assume that people are a certain gender to assume that people are attracted to a certain gender and it's happened all the time with my kids you know so oh do you have a boyfriend do you have a girlfriend and no assumption that maybe they were attracted to somebody of the opposite sex. like it's just a natural setup that is so embedded my, my son, uh, Jameson, who does a lot of DEI thing, I mean, he's really challenged us on the, the guys and the um, gender, gender neutral pronouns and things. And so right now, I know people are like going, are you kidding? So I have to do that now too. Like, don't you know? Like, I just say guys because it comes out. This is me. I say guys all the time. Hi, guys. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the thing is, is that we're human and I know our, my heart is not bad in this department, but I will say my practice is not healthy. Well, that's why I like the 12, why I'm coming to appreciate, let's just say that <laughs> the 12 step model yeah. for recovery from my addiction to being in the top tier. 
because it is granular mm. and it's slow and it's awkward and it's self-reflecting and it's, you know, it just is, it's a long, hard slog. It's doing the work versus back to our conversation about spiritual bypassing. I yeah. have a couple of examples. So when you, when you were talking about gender and sexuality supremacy, I loved watching the ice dancing competition. Oh, well, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And pair skating, of course. But it's it's all heterosexual romantic. Like there is, if you, if you had two women doing pair skating or two men mm. doing ice dancing, not allowed ever. I'm, I was like watching going, hmm, I wonder if, if there would be a non-binary even uh, pair skaters or ice mm. dancers. They are like iconically male, female, and it's built in, baked into the rules and the scoring and the artistry and all of that has to be heterosexual. Even though they might not be in another part of their lives. But, but we that, will never yeah. say, I don't even know yeah. uh, if they even would allow themselves to say that. You know, there's a, there's a lot of that there. The other thing about, uh, the other example that I thought about <clears throat> when I watched the Super Bowl halftime, um, it was just a, this beautiful hip hop. It was so good. It was so good. I loved it so much. <laughs> even though I know, you know, that's not a part of my culture or part of my um, understanding much either. It was, it was beautiful. But while I was watching it, I thought, so does the NFL now get a pass? Because they, you know, <laughs> was it a bypass to say, hey, let's just do a big hip hop show because we've never done one. And so then then we don't have to worry about being a racist organization mm -hmm. anymore because we had a whole halftime of hip hop. Okay. What do you want? And it was sort of like what happened when Obama was elected. Well, yeah, we, uh, we elected see? a black man, so <laughs> we don't see color anymore. You know, yeah. it's like, we want to bypass everything because doing the work is hard. Yeah. And so this, this addiction model kind of brings it home and it brings it, to the individual, how am I privileged? Oh, what does that do for me? What does that not do for me? Like, mm. and what do I do that isn't a spiritual bypass uh, to so feel hard. better about being, you know, to not activate my white guilt or my, you know, mm. privilege, shame of privilege or whatever. It's just, it really is a soul, a soul journey as well as a, justice journey as well as a cultural you know reformation needs to happen but it's we it, yeah. yeah well and it makes me think too like this again not everybody can relate to this but a lot of us who come from the christian stream it's kind of that lowly worm kind of miserable wretch you suck you know and yeah. we did it on an episode like all roads lead to ice up bell you yeah. know and that it's such an easy place to go mm -hmm on this one. It's so easy to do that and go, yeah, I do. I suck. I see that everything through that lens. So now what am I supposed to do about it? You know, and in, in the, the first starting point is not, I suck. The first starting point is, oh my gosh, my eyes 
the scales are coming off of my eyes first. And then it kind of begins to translate into other places in our soul and in our experience. And that it is not a rush, like it's super slow. And it, um, it's so in us that we're not going to like all of a sudden master this. And it made me think of a supremacy that's not on the list that maybe we should put on there. And that is liberal progressive supremacy. Oh, Kathy. I know. That's all I had left. <laughs> I literally just thought of it. Because, oh my God, it is. It totally it's is. so strong. Yeah. And so we're like pointing the finger, you know, in kind of conservative places like the Christian thing or the Bible thing or the American, American supremacy is a big one, you know. But really, progressives, you know, we suck in this department. And it is really like we've got the market cornered and we're the best. Yeah, those people would just... Wake up and yeah. give yeah. a program. Yeah. And how deep it is. And then as somebody who, I mean, I am a progressive liberal person. And I know I have done that. I know I do that. I know I do think you're the best. <laughs> We're just so jacked up. Okay. So well, please tell me I'm not. The- well, I wonder also if there's like urban privilege. You know, like. It's part of it. It's part of why um, progressives get obnoxious yeah. is because they, we, you know, we live in urban settings and we we have a lot of, I don't know, stuff around us. Yeah. And if you work closer to the earth and, you know, your life looks different. And so, I don't know, that's just, I'm just throwing that in there because you know, I'm random like that, I guess. No, you know what? It is really a tr- true because what do we kind of come back into this supremacy kind of we're better it's a lie that I totally think that I totally think as an urban suburban person that rural ways thinking practices culture is dumb I mean I hate saying this but if I'm honest that's what I think yeah and it's why even for me I mean it's gross I'm just saying all these these things out there like confessions true confessions is like accents southern accents are hard for me that's terrible that's a terrible thing that is so gross but that is a supremacy thing mm-hmm. northern from, supremacy yes I come from you know the west and um those those dumb southerners and you know I mean it's really really uh eye-opening and super uh painful and I think we are supposed to I am supposed to feel the pain of that not to flog myself, beat the shit out of myself. I'm such a horrible person, but to respect that that um, self-protection thing is, and this addiction to being on top, which for me, I will say my whole life is like, I'm trying to do this upside down ways of Jesus and a life of descent. I mean, that's what's so busting on the whole thing yeah. is that I really do believe that. And yet I also have this part in me that's so real. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes always to what we say. They both can exist. They both do exist. We have to learn how to um, hold it and not try and squeeze one out, but to respect that the um, the one that wants to win 
that wants to make ourselves feel better in the world by being more than somebody else, diminishing mm-hmm. others somewhere consciously or subconsciously is really bad for the soul and bad for humanity. Yeah, and it, it's like working against human nature to not be find ourselves in the rankings, you know, mm-hmm. to not be trying to climb the ladder and be on top. Um, we're driven that way in a in a really sort of instinctive in an instinctive way. And so changing it is is almost like changing human nature. But um but we we're wired that way. We wanna get ours and keep it. Yeah. And we don't want anybody taking it away from us. Mm. But that's based on this idea that there's only so much. Yeah, that power is like pie. That power is like pie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that resources in general are like pie. And so um I need to take if all these other people, if all of these um, slithering spawn. <laughs> I just remember it. one yeah. of the movies that I we what love is, from? is from Hook. Uh, when, <laughs> when he says, "Oh, the slithering spawn, how I despise them!" You know, it's it's kind of like oh. Marie Antoinette. You know, let them eat cake. Mm-hmm. Is you know, if we let everybody have a have power or have resources or have healthcare or have have basic have housing or have, then there won't be anything left for me. Yeah. So I got mine. So it's up to y'all to get yours. Yeah. You know, but just don't take anything away from me while you're doing it. Mm. And all of that is is part of supremacist logic because it's built on you know. A scarcity mentality. Yeah. Uh, gosh, it is. And I mean, it kind of goes to our, like our brain, our survival mechanism mm-hmm. and to recognize that it's like, that's why it's so hard. That's one of the reasons why it's so hard. It's, it's embedded into humanity, yeah. but humanity is supposed to be evolving. Mm-hmm. And so we have to we have to do better or in like, don't look up. Yeah, we're doomed. <laughs> and and it's the, yeah, the verdict is not out. We are still at risk, yeah. as, but we're at risk as a species, as a planet, we're at risk. So the risks have never been higher because we can do more damage now. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, it's a little bit crazy. And now I forgot the thing I was going to say. So you talk now. <laughs> well, no, and we can we can kind of begin to transition because the truth is, like, part of for me, this is why I um, oh, do you remember? I remember. Go. Yeah, it's it's tied to spiritual bypasses <laughs> because and to I suck bill because we want to reduce down this big complex issue down to who's it who's to blame? Oh, well, white people are to blame now. Oh, and then it kicks in our defensiveness. It kicks in our shame. And then we do the minimum to prove we're not bad, mm-hmm. which doesn't help anything. And in some ways sets us back because it's tokenism, you know, and we're in the midst of a huge backlash against the Me Too, or the Me Too movement and also the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. because it activated white shame. And it felt hopeless and it felt like 
I didn't mean to be here, but now I'm here and now I'm being blamed, you know, so we get super defensive and the shame is real and you feel it. And then it's like, I'm tired of feeling shame with no solutions. I can't do anything right. I can't see it, say anything right. I can't make a move here. And that's all bullshit now. So we're done with that. And we're not going to let that into our schools. We're going to make sure that there aren't any books that make white <laughs> kids feel uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. So it, it really is um, huge. And there's a lot at stake. And we want to do the big things to fix it. But that's but I'm starting to learn that it's kind of like the button in the chair 12-step recovery thing yeah. that is the only hope for us. And maybe, I don't know, the only hope for humanity. Getting people to do that, though. I know. No, people don't want, don't want to. I don't I mean, want to. Our little group is small. I mean, well, it's, we started out with how many? A lot more. Yeah. And, and then it's like, that's what's so interesting. I mean, it's not to you know, to critique people who aren't doing it anymore, but it is to say that it is, we really do want a faster way. Yeah. We want um, quicker healing. Yeah. We want a book. We want a podcast. We want inspiration. And we want to skip over and arrive. And this long, this is exactly what 12-step regular recovery, people really don't want to go. And the only people who go are the desperate ones. Yeah. And that's what it boils down to. And so, um, you know, going to meetings for all these years, I really know I am desperate. I want to, I go for codependency two other days a week and our two, two other days a month. And it's like, I actually quote unquote, know a lot of those things because I've been there so long, but I'm human and I default to my patterns really easy. And I have to be in a community of people who are that honest, who are that um, open and who are continuing to try. But the same thing, it's like a lot of people go, oh, that's not me, I'm not codependent or, you know, I've done that. I have therapists and I just think it's, we always uh, want faster and we actually on the whole as humans just really don't want to do the painful brutal work of looking at our patterns and addictions and humanity and being able to hold it all because in all of our shit of being the um, tapped into the lies of supremacy also there's goodness yeah and that is an important part of the story is that it's not all the worst thing ever and we're doomed it is a terrible thing and it is dooming, but we also have the capacity to heal, to change, to live differently, to embody something differently, and to, um, by changing some things in our smallest way, the world does change in small ways. It does. And I want to just hold on to that. It doesn't, it feels kind of futile, but it's really not. Well, what else are you going to do besides whether, whether it does change the world or it doesn't change the world, the good enough reason to do it is because it's real. Yeah. Yeah. And that's enough. Yeah. It really is enough. And um, we're in good company in how kind of in some ways, even having this conversation, you know, it's hard to articulate because it's so big. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in its, its biggest or purest form is just our need to somehow 
be better <laughs> in some area, all those areas. And, and to measure our progress of being better yes. <laughs> in a way that makes us feel better about sucking. Yeah. And it did. And I mean, really, it is. It's all so messed up. Okay. Addiction to being on top. Um, whatever that top is, is super strong. So um, kind of as we wrap up, something, a soul reminder. Yeah. I just now I was thinking about the starting place is to ask for from who, who cares, you know, the universe, God, your own soul, the grace to own and accept without judgment mm. what's true mm. about our participation, about our where we find ourselves in this life. And to try to not make it bad, not make it good, not make anybody else bad, but to just open your eyes. So the grace to open your eyes and see, the grace to own that, oh, yeah. I have benefited and then the grace to accept without making judgments so that we have the capacity to learn better and do better. So, mm. so acceptance and, and uh, owning. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And you know, honestly, I, I think one thing right now, I mean, this is just a really town, it's super tangible and it kind of is related to, um, exactly the work that we do is just your practice is to go to collaborateconsulting.com or Google Melvin Bray. Um, we don't have a good show notes way that we do things, but um, go read those 12 steps. Honestly, read the 12 steps through the lens because they really hit it all. They're really, really good. And, um, if there is a way we can share it somehow in there, I don't think we, maybe we could put the link in the show notes and that little thing, but just, you can Google it. It's not that complicated. Just read them. That's a start. And don't judge it. I like Phyllis, what Phyllis is saying, but just read them because I think we need to be exposed to, it's not futile. It's not hopeless. And that we need each other to um, untangle how deep it is in its lifetime. Yeah. All right. Thanks for being with us. Kathy Escobar and Phyllis Mathis write, speak, pastor, and counsel, and are dedicated to creating spaces that foster healing and change. You can learn more at kathyescobar.com and phyllismathis.com. Keep listening to your soul and keep practicing.